I always feel like you're better with taking care of yourself from a mental standpoint than I am. And I think this is like a, it's a well-known thing, especially Mm -hmm. for people who listen to this show. You know, you go for walks regularly, you work out regularly, you do a lot of aesthetically pleasing things. Me, I spend most of my day in a basement. I'm not necessarily always doing the best things for myself and in taking self-care. Is that a fair assessment? I think that that's totally fair. And people don't often get a visual of us when we're recording, but yeah, I think I think you you pretty much nailed it. You're in your basement. I'm I'm out in the sunshine, and I definitely make self care a priority. I've been saying yes. this to you for years, but you had to know. hear it from someone else for it to I sink know. in. <laughs> yes, and and we have I think the perfect guest for our conversations with creative series to do just that. We were fortunate enough to have Nicole Tabak on our program. She's a public relations, marketing, and social media professional in the Boston, Massachusetts area. But she has a strong passion for self-care, for content creators. And boy, what a perfect person, what a perfect topic to to do an episode with, just given the times that we're living in right now. Yeah, perfect time would be an understatement. So many people are in addition to just navigating all the news, the crazy news that's coming out every day are navigating these new work from home situations and trying to balance childcare and pet care and doing your job and trying to stay healthy. And it's, it's a lot to manage. And what Nicole hit on in this conversation was really that we've all always been struggling with these things, but it's coming to light now because of our quarantine situation. But it's ultimately going to be a really positive thing. It's it's opening up communication from the top down. In our conversation, you'll hear her reference that there are higher ups in, um, in corporate companies who are being open and honest about how they're having struggles with this new working situation. And I think that ultimately it's going to lead to some really good things, especially for us creatives. Yeah, completely agree. I'm going to try to learn something in the next 30 minutes or so. Michelle, you're going to probably one-up me in every aspect of it, but that's okay. It's going to be fun. Nicole Tabak, Conversations with Creatives. Let's go. Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in a digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media, at pod for creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So it's interesting that one of your passion area of of self-care happens to coincide in an industry where it's constantly at the top of the list for most stressed or highly stressed and whether that's PR or marketing or social media. So there's like a there's like a, a juxtaposition between what you what you profess and the industry in which you work. So how did that come about? I got an interesting start to PR and that I PR and social media and that I was actually doing PR and social media for arts organizations before, before my current position. And it was actually a really great intro to all of this because similar to some people who might be in the startup space, like it's very fast paced. It's go, go, go constantly. You will be on tour one second. You'll be at another concert the next day. And, and it's, 
it's similar to that, you know, that you're talking about the PR fields and the social fields that like, you're always on, you have this moment where, you know, you're just plugged into your phone, you're doing all of these things. And I, I think for me, I had this moment where I, I realized like, does it, does it have to be that way? You know, can you love your job? Can you love what you're doing every single day without being completely wed to it? And it, it actually surprised me when I, when I got in social media to, to talk with other people and hear that other people felt this way as well, that, you know, you, you can have a career in PR and, and social media and love it and, you know, want to be in your job, but not want to be completely wed to it and, and doing it 24 seven. And I think right now it's a really hard time because people feel, especially with, with working from home for, for COVID that, you know, you have to be doing this all the time and that there's, it's hard to have that, that separation of work and life. But I think we're seeing also an interesting point where people are, are changing positions. They're getting into leadership positions. People are starting off their new ventures, things like that. And it's really great, in my opinion, because it's this moment where people say, you know what? No, that, that doesn't have to be how it always is. Like that was how it was, but we actually want people to love what they're doing and we want them to be sane at the end of the day and not burn out constantly. So I say this all the time to people who, who are talking to me about internships or, or starting work in the field that your, your mental health is the most important thing when you're going into this, because if you can't take care of yourself and you can't take care of, you know, your, your own needs for your body and your mind, then you're no good to anyone else. Like I've, I've definitely had at those moments where I'm just dwelling so much on, on the stress of everything that I'm doing and get so consumed by it that then I'm not being productive at all anyway. So <laughs> I think it's just really important to be able to, to, to take that approach to loving your job. You love it so much that you want to be able to have moments where you can take away from it and be able to give yourself back to it in a better way. Was there something that you experienced that kind of triggered this thought? Or do you feel like this is something that is inherently you and was just kind of trying to get out, which I've talked about on the show before, but is has been kind of my experience. I don't know if you are familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm an Enneagram nine, which is peacemaker. So I feel like my natural state is to want things to be very calm. But yet I have worked in situations that were not the case. <laughs> I am familiar with Enneagram. I actually haven't done it in a while. So I, I can't remember what number I am with it. But I think I was kind of like, a communicator and a peacemaker as well. Mm -hmm. But um, so it's, yeah, I definitely resonate with that. I think for me, it, it's similar to you. It's it's a, a slew of things. It's a lot of things all in one. I do remember distinctly one moment when I was in my first, I'd say like my first big job out of college that I was working at a theater and something happened and I had to like send out an email campaign. And I think I sent it to the wrong list or I sent it with like the wrong headline right now. I don't even remember, you know, that that's kind of how, how funny it is that when you get removed from the, from the actual moment in, in retrospect, it really didn't matter. But in the moment I like broke down, like I'm someone who, I guess at the start of my career, I, I would get very emotional into my work and, you know, I, I just took so much pride in it and wanted that to be an extension of myself. And that was a really great learning moment because I was able to take from that, that yes, it's important to care about your work. It's important to put yourself into it, but being able to have a disconnect and say, you know, this, this is this moment, this is this email campaign, it's going to pass. And I'm, my self-worth is not attached to this was a really important moment. And I think I, I constantly reminding myself with that, you know, I'll, I'll have social media campaigns that I'll push out or I'll, I'll even be talking to someone, even be having something like this. And, and, and think, oh my God, you know, 
this could happen or this thing went wrong or this thing wasn't as perfect as I wanted it to be because I'm very perfectionist with everything that I do. But being able to step back from it and say, my self-worth is not attached to this. It's just one part of everything that I'm doing is a really great growth moment. And I hope more people can kind of have things like that because it does feel like the end of the world when you're, when you're totally. going through all this, like the dark clouds. And yeah, it's, um, it, it sounds really dramatic, but, but I think it's just really important to, to remember that it's just one piece of, of the big puzzle there. What are some of the big changes you've noticed in this industry amongst peers of yours since the quarantine period hit? From a, from a self-care, either looking to do more of it or not doing enough of it? From a self-care perspective, I think we've seen a lot more emphasis on the importance of it. I think at the start of quarantine, I think it went in a little bit of a wave. And in the very start, people were kind of scrambling to, to get things together. You know, you saw people... Um, getting getting different work setups, getting different childcare setups, things like that. I myself did not have to worry about childcare, but I did have to kind of just float right into doing a work from home situation. And I think not everyone was prepared for that. But what I noticed just from the get go was just everybody leaning on each other. There was a big sense of community and a big sense of talking with your teams and being more transparent, and open and being able to have those dialogues about you know, here's where I'm at today. I'm not going to be at the same place tomorrow. Um, so those those constant check-ins. But um, I think now we've seen, or at least I've seen, a little bit more of a prioritization of mental health and that people are realizing, yeah, we're going through a global pandemic. Like there's no there's no um, guidebook for this. Nobody knows what, what to do in this situation. So um, I see a lot of people similar to myself that, you know, you'll have days where you don't feel as productive as, as you should be, or, um, how you would be if you were in a physical office or, or something like that. And I think people have started to realize that it's, it's not going to go back to normal for quite some time, I think. And people just being really a lot more gentle with themselves and being able to communicate that and say, you know, I'm having a bad day or this moment was really difficult. Here's how we can work through it. So just being able to give themselves a little bit more of a break than we normally would, I think has been really enlightening. And and I've seen a lot more of it from my own teams, but also just across social media, you know, people have been very transparent and reaching out and I've seen company leaders that I never would expect to hear from that are saying it's really hard for me as well. So to hear, you know, a VP from a large organization say that to their whole Twitter audience or something like that, it, it just, it provides a space where people feel open and less of a stigma to be able to share that they're having a difficulty, which I think is a really great thing. I think it's been definitely one of the positive things that has come out of this to be able to have open dialogue because this has been going on forever. And I think that there are a lot of people who are maybe haven't been brave enough or comfortable with opening up in that way yet, but are now having the example of some of these higher ups who are leading the way and saying, it's okay, not only is it okay to feel this way, but it's okay to talk about it publicly. I feel like there's going to be a, there already is, but we're going to see a big shift in, um, in positive mental health when all of this is, is over. And I, I really hope that there's even, I mean, I know we have like human resources, but like that company start to adopt entire departments around, you know, supporting these kind of conversations. 
Yeah, I hope so too. I, I really do because I think it's all lovely and great for us to say on social media, but at the end of the day, someone has to go back to their day job or, or whatever they're working on, you know, to pay the bills. So I think that's where the impact actually has to happen. And I'm really optimistic when you see leaders talking about this so openly that it will empower people who might not be in that position in their day job to be able to say, actually, this isn't normal, or actually this does feel like some toxic behavior or something that isn't aligning for me. Um, so at least if it gives people a, a point to jump off of, to then empower them to, to make a change in their real life, I think is an amazing thing. And I hope it happens. What do you see this kind of growing into? So we talk about being optimistic and seeing some of you know, a, a, a sea change. What are the possibilities now for you know the future of work in this industry, outside of this industry, if people are able to be more free with not only their emotions and their feelings, but they're accepted and they're heard and there's an empathetic nature to the community in which they work. I really hope that it can provide an atmosphere where people feel open to share and open to do the best work that they can. Because I, I do think that when people are, especially earlier in their career, when they're told this is a certain way of how this goes, they don't know any better to question that. They don't know you know, when I was in my first job and I was I was getting emotional about some work that I had done, I didn't know that, you know, how I should react to that situation. I didn't know that this happens more times than you you can expect to people. I just knew that I cared a lot about my work and I had this emotional body reaction to this thing that was happening. And it took people in my organization to say, it's okay. You can take a breath. You can walk away. It's fine. Um, but if I didn't have those people, I wouldn't have known what to do. So I think hopefully this change and, and shift in industry will empower people to kind of know what they can and can't question. I hope that it lets people kind of expect more out of their workplace. I, I think that's not a bad thing if people are expecting more empathy out of their employer or out of their manager. Um, and I think it, it really goes back to that, that I think when people feel empowered in that way or or able to have an emotional reaction or know how to read the room in that way, um, it empowers them to do the best work of, that they can and, and they feel respected. And that, especially in our, our field where, where people are so creative, you know, we, we are told often like, put your life experiences into your creations. You know, if you're having a bad day, you create something out of that. You create something out of the angst or, or the frustration and it ends up being this amazing thing. Or if you're having a great day, you know, create this lovely, happy piece. And depending on, you know, what your, what your means are of creating. Um, so I think it's a little, a little odd that we don't, you know, address that in general with, with how we create because so much of our emotional health and our emotional well-being is attached to what we're doing as work that, to me, it makes sense to be able to have that openness and that transparency to then empower us to to create as much as we can. I love that you just said that, because that's something that personally I've been trying to do. I'm working on a writing project right now, and I found that more than any other creative project that I've worked on, I've really had to put a lot of emotion into it. And it took me a while, especially to be okay with using some of those negative emotions and like feeling sad and uh, calling up like, you know, bad situations, like things that have happened in the past or times that I may have been like sad again, like that peacemaker, like 
I try to just like put that stuff in a box and not deal with it. Um, but it, it has like created some what I consider to be like very strong work. So I think anytime that we can lean into happy or sad feelings, it's, it's just going to elevate things. But you made me think of another question I wanted to ask you, which is, how do you think that we can be better stewards of being in you know, encouraging people to, to be more open about their emotions, um, either as friends or um, as professionals, like, how do you think the best ways to not necessarily like lift each other up, but make our social spaces feel safer? I see a lot of it from being on my own social media. I I think that was something I really leaned into, especially during quarantine when I, I felt very alone. And I went onto Twitter and went onto Instagram was just starting to talk to people and realizing that this, this wasn't something just I was feeling, which was a great, great moment. But I always tell people also that often what I'm, what I'm posting on Twitter is often what I need to hear myself. So I will really just be writing a note to myself and hopefully it's a reminder to more people as well and helps more people. But I think if people truly want to take ownership of this and, you know, are in a space where we're, if you're a leader at an organization, obviously you have a very clear representation of how you can create that radical transparency and, and that openness. But if you're someone just like us and, and you want to be able to foster the space, I really encourage people to get out there on social media or however they are. If, if you know social media isn't your thing, blogging or getting into online communities, just, just talking in a small group even um, really helps with that. But I think the key that I always put on that is that people should do it because they want to be doing it and they feel that they actually want to be involved in these conversations. You see often a lot of people that will open up their direct messages or open up their email to these comments and they don't necessarily want to be engaged in these conversations. And that's totally fine. Like this is not everyone's thing. If, if you want to be, um, you know, private with your, your feelings of this, that's great. Um, but if you do want to open it up, then then be open and really just be receptive to, to hearing from people. Um, you know, it, it can be tough sometimes to have conversations with complete strangers or, or even friends that you've known for a while. And yeah, hi. <laughs> hi. No but it's, been, it's been great. I'm so glad that, that we were able to meet and talk. I mean, it was it's amazing. I've met so many great people and heard so many incredible stories Um I literally had someone uh, that I was talking to yesterday in direct messages that was like, I feel like I'm too late to the game and I'm 17 and I'm like, I'm 26. Like, I don't know what you, <laughs> if they're, if it, you're too late, I don't know what it is for me. Um, so, uh, you know, I think, I think that that's definitely my key with that is that get out there and talk to people. I think it can be very scary to, to break that seal. I am actually quite introverted myself. So I, it does take a little bit of extra effort for me, but once I opened it up and realized how many great people there are that I can meet and talk to, it really just felt like a, a community of friends that I could share with. But with that caveat that don't do it, if you're just, you know, doing it to be the trendy thing, or you feel like you need to do it, you know, there are real people at the end of that line that might be depending on that. So don't, don't feel like you have to go into that game. Yeah, I really like that. We talk about this a lot on on and different episodes on our podcast about taking chances and not being hesitant to reach out to this person that you admire that you feel like can help pull you up to be better or maybe you can learn from more or simple conversation and I've had the same experiences as you've had where, you know, I've had someone send me a message and I've formed a connection with them or what seems to happen more is is that I reach out to people that I admire 
And it just leads to these connections that you couldn't have even imagined if you didn't put yourself in that spot. And all it does is it is it really fortifies your belief that you belong, you know, like you are a part of this. And I think that's such a special feeling. And you had you had tweeted something out a while back about how you're more than than the tasks that are in your, um, you know, on your to do list. You know, you're more than your inbox. You're more than your to do list. And don't let your tasks define your value. And I love that. And, and I think that message is something that we tend to lose and because we get so tied into what's in front of us on a day-to-day basis that we, we minimize our role to, well, I just do this and then I do that. And then that's my, you know, and it's such a closed off world that there's so much more that you can learn and do and what that can provide you. I'm curious how you adopt that, that mindset and strategy in, in your work. It's different every day. Honestly, I, I told you, I, I tweet a lot about what I need to hear. <laughs> so there are many days that I will, I'll go and I'll make my little checklists and, you know, that's how I base how my success is of the day. But then there are days where I'll get to the end of it and I haven't checked anything off or I've done one thing kind of, and I feel like a failure and it feels like a wasted day. And it's, it's really discouraging sometimes, but I think my hope in that and my hope that I, I try and think of every single time this happens is this was not a wasted day. This was a day actually that I I got up. I talked to this person. I enlightened this person. I got to run with my dog or something like that. It People put so much value on what they're doing at work, which I think is great. Like I said, I had such an emotional attachment to my work at, at times. But I think when you get so tunnel vision with all of those sorts of things, you start to forget that there's a lot more going on in life than just what you're doing from your nine to five or whatever your job is. And I think that's important. I think that that the work you do is really great. And I know people that are spectacular at the job that they do. So not to diminish that at all, but I think there's so much more to the equation than people look at. And I think especially when you're when you're early in your career, it feels like that's you know, that's the missing link. If I'm not getting all 25 things done on it, then I'm clearly not, you know, I'm not superhuman like this person. But also the more people that you talk to online, the more people, more people that you meet with it, you realize that nobody's getting 25 things done in a day. And if they are, it's like eight breakfast check, like little things like that. So I think we, we tend to sort of idolize this like superhuman ideal online, especially when, when you see things like through Instagram or, or Twitter, which are, are just such highlights of what you do in the day. You know, if, if you looked at my Instagram, you would think that that I did r- really random things throughout the day, that I, I did really fun things throughout the day. But a lot of what I'm doing every single day is is really doing nitty gritty things, you know. So I, I think with a thing like that, I think it's just really important for people to understand that there's a lot more going on to what they're seeing face value online. And it doesn't mean that you're you're less off just because you're not doing all of these things that that, that person's doing that you're seeing. They're probably not doing everything that you're seeing. So I just think we, we sometimes need those reminders when people feel like they're they're not, you know, doing enough or they're not achieving enough. I always fall into that thing as well, where where it feels like, oh, I, oh, I could have done all of these other things too. Sure, I could have done all those other things, but what would that have sacrificed? I wouldn't have had a full night's sleep or I wouldn't have had dinner with my husband, or I wouldn't have had time with my family, you know, various things happen throughout the day. And we make our choices, depending on what what we have to do throughout that day. 
And it doesn't all have to be work and it doesn't ha- all have to be a checklist. It doesn't have to be in emails. So I think it's just really important to, to remember that and look at the big picture because when you look at that, you realize how full your life is versus just what you're doing on Outlook. Do you feel like an unintended outcome of this time period since we've been in quarantine has been that it's given people more of an appreciation for what might be going on in other people's lives that we actually see maybe more of an even playing field than we thought might have existed prior to this? Definitely. I I think it's been really refreshing, I think, for some people to see almost like the veil gets lifted behind and seeing what people are going through in their in their real time. I've seen so many people with, you know, children in the background or, you know, people with with really difficult work from home situations or even you know, my, my day to day, I actually work with a lot of people globally. So we we've, we've said it's really nice to be able to have an even playing field with people who are in the UK versus I'm in Boston versus someone that's in California. So I think it really provides an element of humanity to all of it, which I think we could all use more of. I am the first person to, to tell parents on my teams or, or anyone that I'm working with, you know, don't be afraid if, if your kid comes running across the screen, you're you're doing a lot right now there was an element of that in business where people felt like they had to have this perfectly perfected image of, of what they were, were doing and no, it's fine. That's home. You know, I can do it all, but it goes back to that to-do list, right? Where there's so much going on in your life. You have such a multifaceted day that I don't think that, that you should hide those things. You know, there are some days where, you know, I'll, I'll have to walk the dog and then come back in and then clean up dishes or do something else. And, you know, those are all parts of the day. So I think it's really refreshing that you can kind of see that within someone else. You can see that on video conferences and, and people are really just providing a level of empathy that they hadn't had before. I really love your outlook that our everyday things that we need to do to kind of keep life running will ultimately contribute to creating better work. And it's such like, it's a mind bend because I think the old way of thinking is that you work from nine to five and you work really hard and that's how you get ahead. Whereas now we're finally starting to embrace the idea that if I get a, if I get nine hours sleep instead of six hours sleep, I'm going to be much more efficient at my job and I'm not going to be cranky and I'm going to have better relationships with people and everything kind of gets improved across the board. So along with the change that I hope to see in that leaders will start to make people feel more comfortable about talking about these things. I also hope that there will be an influx in really embracing that work-life balance, especially in creative fields. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think especially for creatives with that, we're not always creative on the nine to five schedule, right? Like I've, I've loved that also about working from home and that if I get a great idea at 7 p.m., then I can go and, and work on that. I can keep going with it. I think sometimes, you know, it's nice to have the stability of a, of a nine to five work day, but it doesn't always serve people who aren't morning people or who, you know, really have to close off after 4 p.m. Like they, they just hit a block. So I think that's my hope also with this flexible environment, similar to what you're saying. It's exactly that, that creatives don't always have like a, an hour schedule on their boundaries. Sometimes there's more, there's mornings that I'll be very creative. And then the next day it's a total wash and I'm, you know, just, okay, let's do everything that we we have to do. But um, you can't always know when your creative 
moments are going to turn on with things and not everyone's are the exact same. So I think it's sometimes difficult to to put everyone into those boundaries when inherently as a field, it just doesn't, doesn't necessarily lend itself to that. <laughs> it's really important to be talking about this because there's been such a stigma on it for so long. I know just yesterday on, on Twitter, there was a thread going around um, that there was, I don't know if you had seen it, Steve. Yeah. There was I know where you're going that, with it. Yeah. <laughs> there was another thread going around on Twitter yesterday that was, was just talking about um, some other leaders and having an interview in another podcast talking about how, if you're going to be on social media, you should be prepared to be like on your phone 24 seven and online 24 seven. And it was actually really, I'm, I'm very thankful for it. I'm glad that it came out because a lot of people on Twitter ended up starting to talk about it. And you saw a lot of leaders saying like, let's talk about this. Why is this a bad idea? So, so I think while I've, while I've said creatives have different hours of, of when they're, they're active and when you have your creative vibes, that's a choice. It's similar to, to opening up your DMs. If, if, you want to talk to people about their self-care and feelings about that. Those are all options and choices. I don't think anybody should feel like they have to necessarily be wed to their phone 24-7 and online 24-7. Even myself, I'm online pretty frequently, but there are many weekends. You can even go back and look. On Saturdays and Sundays, I frequently am not online. I just feel like I don't want to be on Twitter right now. I want to be with my family. I want to be doing things with friends. I just don't really even think about it at all. Um, but that's because I've chosen that. I make an active decision when I'm going to go on and when I'm going to talk to people. But, you know, nobody's telling me, oh, you have to check it 24-7 from, you know, Saturday and Sunday and even if you're, you know, in bed or whatever it is. Um, so so that, that thread was really interesting because a lot of people that are leaders or up-and-coming leaders in that field have been saying this, like, okay, that's, that's the old taboo. That's what everyone says. Okay. If you want to be on social, you have to be on your phone 24 seven, but why, why is that? I think people have a hard time confronting or questioning themselves on a lot of those things of, you know, people are making it that way. People who are leaders in the field are, are making it that way. If, if you are leading a company or you're leading a team of social people, you can say, okay, you're going to be online from this time to this time. Those are your job boundaries with it. And here's all the other time that you can take for self-care. But expecting one person to be on their phone 24-7 and completely, completely, you know, connected to a job with it, I think is just very, very challenging and very, I'd even say unfair with it. Um, that's how I think toxic workspaces end up coming to be a thing. I think that's how people start feeling like they have to have these certain expectations and I was really proud to see people come out and say, no, you can question this. You can push back. Like, this is not normal. This is not okay. And so I think that's where I sort of almost feel an obligation too, to be able to tell younger generations or anyone up and coming in their career, no, push back on this. This is actually just a few people and we're trying to dismantle this narrative and you don't have to be a part of this because we're not. <laughs> like, I wouldn't tell anyone to do it if I'm not going to do it myself. So I just I thought that that was really timely with uh, with our conversation. <laughs> totally. You know, I, I lead a team of, of um, PR professionals and we often talk about when these things come up. You know, we work in education. I work in K-12 education. So there's things that go wrong and off hours. And, you know, you want to get your 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 strategy in place or how you're going to address this, how you're going to notify parents. And there's been a lot of that since March, as you could imagine. 
so this nonstop pace has been unending for for many of our staff. And, you know, I've been sitting in this role of constantly reminding, like, you know, of setting boundaries, of taking time for yourself, of of being okay with walking away and and all of these messages that we've been talking about here on this episode. But I think the challenge sometimes is convincing yourself that your audience isn't waiting on the other side of that screen for you to email them or tweet at them or, or, or throw something up on Instagram. No one's waiting with bated breath for that. And sometimes when you think about it that way, like, yeah, no one's waiting for their, you know, a, a notification to go off. Like it gives you a little bit more freedom to say this can wait till tomorrow or I can get my plan in place. And then tomorrow when I sit down, we can, we can start the communications process around this. Yes, definitely. I'm so glad you said that. There are probably a handful of brands in the world that that would have to happen with, right? Like, I think we all love to, people in marketing especially love to make it seem like we're saving the day constantly. <laughs> and in a way we are. I, I don't want to put anyone down on that. We do great things and I'm very proud of everyone with it. But like you said, nobody is waiting with bated breath with it. Short of very specific customer scenarios, it can probably wait. Um, and I think having having someone else's mental health wait, waiting on that moment, I think is just such a, a challenging thing. And, you know, your team is going to have a lot of those sorts of scenarios. It, working in social, that, that I will say, you know, you're going to have a lot of scenarios where you feel like you're going to have to jump to, to a response or, or, you know, immediately come to the rescue with it. But I think that actually provides another element of, of strategy with it, of just sit with it, take a breath, let it unfold, really strategically sit back and figure out what you're going to do in this, in this situation. So that, you know, not only you, you won't provide like a, an immediate just jump to it response, but you can also provide that moment of, of not attaching yourself to this moment that feels so big in that moment, but really in retrospect isn't. It's similar to that email campaign that I told you. In the moment, it felt horrible. Like I felt like this is it. This is the end of the world. This is my the end of my career. I'm done. But now I, I can't even remember what, what the exact issue was. So I think that's really great that you can also be in that position to empower your teams to do that because it's so important. Like I said, if, if you can't take care of your mental health and you can't take care of your own physical well-being with it, then you're not going to be fit to be able to show up to, to your job that you're doing. If you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod creatives and let us know which stood out to you. We do need an intro, and I don't mean like a you know full house intro. Mm -hmm. I mean like yeah, because it's going to be you know, short, so it has to be like, like yeah, you know, and then let's just go. Yeah. In fact, feel free to use that recording of my audio. You're whooshing. That was yeah. some great whooshing. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I'll be sure to capture that. <laughs> I'll list you in the credits as uh, sound effects. Sound effects. Yeah. yeah.